Oh, okay. I was just telling him I was waiting for him to tell me which one I was in that, in that list. Mm. This table almost ain't big enough for everything I need. But Father, we just thank you for this night. We just thank you for fellowshipping with us, coming, ministering to us tonight. Father, you do make all things new. You make everything beautiful in its time. And Father, I just thank you for the beauty, <laughs> even in the rain, Father. It's still beautiful because you made it. Father, I just pray that you'll speak to us tonight, Father, that you will just let your word reign forth in this place tonight, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would saturate this place tonight, Father, that whatever I say uh, in my story, Father, has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with your glory, that you be glorified tonight. So, Father, whatever is done, let it glorify Jesus tonight. And it's in his name we ask these things. Amen. This week I've been thinking a lot about my story and the things that happened to me and, and, and how did I get here. So it's almost like doing a little inventory check of my life of, of where am I now versus where was I versus where am I going. Seth said uh, a couple of weeks ago, he said the simple testimony was to say I, I was, you know, I, and then Jesus, and then here I am now. And it really is that simple, but it's not that simple. For some people, Jesus comes, the gospel is presented, somebody says, yes, I, I believe that, and I'm going to get saved, I'm going to give my life to him. And for some people, they're a little bit more hard-headed. And um, it takes a little bit more convincing for those people. But it's okay, because you probably have people like that in your life that you've been trying to convince that you've been trying to plant those seeds and water those seeds and then come back and the seed's dead and you're like, all right, let's get some more seeds in here. And you think it's on you, but it's not on you because everybody who comes to God, they have to be drawn in by Jesus Christ. He does the drawing in. You can give your testimony and you can say what you believe, but ultimately God has to draw them in. And so there's a drawing process going on in people's lives. You gotta be, you gotta be cognizant of that and know that it's happening so that you can present the thing that they need in, the, in due time. Everybody doesn't need the, the correction of the Bible. Sometimes we deal with uh, believers and non-believers the same, and, and the Word tells us not to do that. I can't correct a non-believer with the Word because there's no authority in this to them. And they think I'm just Bible-thumping. I'm just coming around, you, you know you're doing wrong, and hitting them on the head with a Bible, and they're not going to receive that because there's no authority here yet. So there's two types of people that we're going to come in contact with in our lives. There's believers and non-believers. Each time you deal with each situation differently, right? You deal with somebody who, uh, uh, a 16-year-old differently than you deal with a 6-year-old. They're not on the same level. They don't understand the same things. There's certain things I can do to correct a 6-year-old that I can't do to a 16-year-old. Certain things I can do to a 16-year-old I can't take away from a 6-year-old. So there's certain things that they got to have. I'm going to tell you, basically everything I'm going to tell you is just small stories because how many times do we go, this is my testimony and this is the thing, this is the big thing that happened to me and that's all we got. <laughs> my testimony is God's not done with me yet. <laughs> my testimony is the yet to come 
My testimony is that he's a part of my life. He's living in me. He's guiding me. I love what Kurt said last week about when Moses gets to heaven and, and, he, and they ask him, what was it like to be in the presence of God? And he said, I, I want to know what it's like to have God living inside you. Because it's true. We have something that Solomon and all his splendor didn't have, couldn't obtain, and it's the Holy Spirit. So a lot of what I'm going to tell you about tonight has to do with that because that was what I was unaware of and that's what I had to encounter for God to really be real to me. Um, so I'm going to start the story. There's a lot of bad things that happen. You know, you probably see some of these knuckleheads uh, running around out here and you think there's no hope for them. Or, you know, sometimes I see them walking down the street with their pants hanging all the way down. Or Now they're really tight, you know. Like, pants really tight is what used to be pants hanging down. So when you see that, it's still, you know, it's still the same kind of thing, you know. It, it, But you know, there's still hope for them. I passed a guy the other day, you know, he's riding a bicycle, smoking a cigarette, and I'm thinking, this just ain't smart, you know? It just, I, I mean, <laughs> you don't have to be a genius to know this just ain't smart, but, um, and his shoes was untied. So, but what happened was, <laughs> so my first son, Malachi, about eight years ago, uh, his birth was, you know, he, uh, my ex-wife, she had to have a C-section for him because he was stuck. The umbilical cord was around his neck, and, you know, we thought everything was taking a turn for the worse. And um, the doctor came and told me, he said, we're doing, we, you know, we're doing everything we can. Uh, I need you to wait here in this little hallway, uh, the entrance to the surgery room, to the, the operating room. And so I go to the door, and the door is locked. I can't even leave this. They got me. I'm locked in a hallway. I'm not kidding. There's, <laughs> I'm, I'm literally trapped. And I'm like, there ain't no, my phone is dead. I can't call nobody. I'm like, I don't even know what to do. And at this time in my life, I, I was still a, a proclaiming atheist. I, didn't, I wanted to believe that God didn't exist is what I wanted. That way I didn't have anything I had to do. You know, I didn't have any standards to live up to, just my own standards. So I wanted to believe that God didn't exist, but here in this time, and there's nothing I can do, and everything's out of my hands, and I'm going, this is my son, and I don't know, you know, I'm like, God, you know, you are still there, right, you know? And I just prayed right then. I said, you know, God, if you would, if you would just save his life, you know, I, I, you know, people say these prayers, I'll do anything. <laughs> like, Kurt, I'll do anything. You, I'll go anywhere you want me to go, God. But, you know, we make those prayers, and then God shows up, and, you know, my son's perfectly healthy, and then I forget all about my little promise to God. But God doesn't forget that I made that promise, so he continues sending people into my life who believe in him other than the people who I was hanging out with. Uh, so, you know, from that time on, there's a lot of things that happened, but basically when I went back to school, I had got back into school. And when I went back to school, I started realizing, you know, there's a lot of critical thinking that I wasn't doing in high school. There were some, you know, books that I never read. There were things, I, I didn't know how to make these sentences come together and all that. I failed English two times. And um, I was actually in English three and four at the same time. You know, how can that happen? But um, there were things I didn't understand. And I, and, and I equate that to not even wanting to understand the Bible either. I would, I would look at it and I would think that's for like geniuses, you know, that's for like people who have degrees can read this. This is not for normal people. 
And when I went back to school and I started realizing I just didn't know how to read sentences, I didn't know how to make things make sense, I didn't know how to comprehend what I was reading, and I started to wonder. I wonder what's in there. <laughs> I wonder what that's about. Christmas that year, and, and, and I'll give you a little bit of backstory. Um, a lot of you know Cheyenne White, the uh, middle school pastor here. Me and him worked together, and I hated him. Hated everything about him. I was like, this dude is so arrogant. He thinks he's better than everybody else. You know, he thinks he can just read his Bible and all this stuff, you know. And so I really didn't like him. I despised him. Things have changed. Things have changed. <laughs> yeah, like, how does he feel about him now? I love that guy, man. But you know, the crazy thing about it is, is that I was at work complaining one night, just, you know, how they were doing me wrong, and man, my hours and my money and all the things that were going wrong in my life because my life wasn't right. And you know, when you a knucklehead, things just hap keep happening in your life. That's bad because you're a knucklehead and you make bad decisions. So bad thing, you're like, why is everything bad happen to me? Probably because you. So about Christmas time that year, you know, I'm like having all these like inclinations of like the meaning of life and I need to discover things and I'm looking into every religion. I'm telling you, I did all my research, you know. I looked into everything. I want to know what makes sense. What do these religions believe? I mean, I was, in every, I was looking at all of this stuff. And I saved Jesus for last because I was like, that'll be an easy target, you know? So I go through everything else, and I'm like, man, I'm, and I keep finding these flaws. I keep finding these outs. I keep finding these ways where I can still be who I am and believe that. <laughs> so why do I need it? I go to work, and I'm talking about Christmas. I'm like, I don't get this meaning of Christmas thing. You know, I've seen this Charlie Browns, blah, 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 all these little sappy Christmas movies, and I can't figure out where are they getting this information? Where is this story, dude? I, don't, I can't find this thing, you know? And I'm at work, and Cheyenne's like, dude, it's, it's, uh, it's right there in that Bible. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. All of this, it came down to this. Now I have to read it? So I'm checking it out, I'm looking at it, you know, and I'm still complaining, and, and he's like, I'm like, yeah, this is too much. I don't get all this genealogies and what have you. He goes, all right, well, let me, let me, let me take you to a little story. And me and him were working together. This is the funny part, because we're working together. We're, we're having to, we're working as a team. And he goes, look, I'm going to let you read this Bible. I'm going I'm to show you this story. I'm going to let you read it. I'm going to cover everything that's happening right now so that you can read it. So first off, I'm like, okay, now that, yeah, I'll read it, sure. You got this? Yeah, I'll check it out. Boy, I'm a slow reader, too. You know? <laughs> and then he, I mean, it was, I mean, he was being patient, man. I'm telling you, it was, it was, it was a trip. So I get done reading, and the, and the story that he wanted me to read was the story of Joseph. And he said, if you think you got it bad, I want you to check out this story. So I read it, and I'm like, wow, dude, I never knew stuff like that was in there. That's, that's amazing. But it didn't do anything for me. But it did open up my eyes a little bit. And I just want to I'm telling you that story to tell you this. Nothing changed in my life at that moment. Nothing. I walked away. I was doing what I was doing. 
and that meant literally nothing to me. But today, when I look back at that, I see what a strong seed that was planted in my life because of it. So just because you don't see anything happening right now, man, don't stop planning, you know? Don't stop that. Don't stop doing things sacrificially for people that don't even deserve it and don't look like they're going to learn anything from it. Because I'm sure that's what it looked like to him that I was doing, was just taking advantage of him. Yeah, 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 go ahead, get that. So while all of of that is happening, (laughs) okay, let let me tell you this too. I think partially what I thought about the Bible was that it was just a book of rules. And I thought if I didn't read it, then I won't know, so I won't be accountable. Y'all know anybody like that? Surely not. But Paul even tells us, man, the law was just like a foreshadowing of what was to come. And I didn't know that I needed the Holy Spirit. I didn't know I needed, like, Jesus Christ in my life, in my heart, you know, connected with me, walking this thing out with me, that I didn't have to do it myself. I just thought it was going to be so hard that I didn't want to commit to it. So I needed a little bit of a push. Well, the push came about April 2009. One of my best friends and, and we had been in uh, 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 a, a business that you can't quite declare to the IRS. Um, we had been in this little business together. And um, he's on his way home from my house at 3.30 a.m. And uh, he gets pulled over by the police, and they take him to jail for multiple offenses. And his girlfriend calls me, and she says, hey, uh, you have his bail money. I need to go get him out. I say, yeah, I got you. Go get him out of jail, uh, spend the rest of the day with him, come home. A few hours later, a policeman comes and knocks on my door and says, I need you to testify to some things that have been happening. We've been watching you for two months. We know your car was parked here. We saw you get in with him. We saw, so they're trying to put stuff on me that basically was things that he was doing, but I was sort of an accomplice. And I'm like, I don't know anything. Thank you for stopping by. And, you know, we'll see you later. And he said, okay. So he leaves. My friend calls me. He says, I, I think the phones are tapped. I say, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, and he said, so let's meet somewhere. So we, we had a meeting spot. We met up. While I'm talking to him, I said, look, they're watching us right now at this very moment. He had been pulled over twice, like, on the way there. <laughs> I said, they're watching us right now. I got this real good idea. There's this guy that I work with, and he's a pastor of a church. What we can do is we can go to the church and we'll talk about everything we need to talk about when we get there because they'll never suspect that we're doing anything at the church. (laughs) So we get to the church. Sunday morning, people going in, you know, hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're trying to lay low, you know, we're trying to hide out. Here come the pastor. He's like, Come on, boys, what are y'all doing? It's time for church. Let's get on it. Let's, let's get on in here. I'm like, oh, man. 
So we're sitting on the back row, you know, they're doing, they go through worship and everything. It's nothing extravagant, it's just, you know, worship, nothing like this, but they do worship and we're in the back just, you know, the pastor gets up, he starts preaching, man. And something happened that day that I had never seen in my life before. The Holy Ghost fell in that place. And this pastor reads our mail on the back row. He starts, when your life is all twisted up and you don't know what you're doing and you're confused and you've been running from the cops, you just got arrested, got five charges. I mean, it was just stuff that just couldn't have been. In, you know, it was just like, what, what, did you, who, what? And we're like, no way, dude, this is just crazy. People are speaking in tongues in the front, falling out in the spirit, all kind of stuff. I've never seen this, you know. My grandparents and parents went to like a, a Baptist church. We, <laughs> that was like, what? So at the end of the service, he comes up. He said, who wants prayer? You know, and we're like, we def- we'll take everything we can get right now. <laughs> he anoints our heads with oil and all kind of stuff. He said, you need to be baptized, man. I'm like, okay, you know, when does that happen? He said, right now. Like, right now, I like, I probably need to sleep on that. You know, that's, I don't know that I can do that. That's, that's, that's pretty deep. He's like, all right, well, let me know. So we go back the next week, and he's talking about the same thing. You need to get baptized. I'm like, all right, dude, we got to get out of here. This is enough, you know, enough's enough. We came back just because all the crazy stuff that happened, we couldn't deny it, you know. We knew something was going on there. We just didn't know what. We didn't know what to do with it, really. So life goes on, you know, he's still doing his thing. We kind of fall back into it. But I, I try to straighten my life up because I know, you know, at this point I got two kids and I've already been, you know, put on this watch list. I'm already, every move I was making was being watched. So I didn't, you know, I didn't want to mess up. I wanted to be good, but I just didn't know how. A few months later, I guess, let's see, that was in... And I was trying to get all these dates because I'm like, man, how did all this happen so fast? I started coming to Springhouse Easter. I came, my first service was Easter 2009. And Pastor Ronnie was dressed up, uh, some character, I'm not sure who, but it was, you know, hey, I didn't even know what I was doing at that time, you know. (laughs) I was like, what kind of place is this? Uh... You know, the pastor's dressed up like, that's the pastor. I was like, that's not the pastor. The pastor's <laughs> dressed up like this? What's going on? But how I got here is even crazier because while I was at work, that same pastor whose church that I went to, there was three pastors, three pastors that I worked with. I mean, what's the chances of that? You know, I mean, they just, and they, <laughs> and of all the other people that I'm working with, they're trying to get me. You know, they see the position that I'm in. They know my life is just in a downward spiral. They're like, dude, we're trying to help you. We want to help. Anything that we can do. And um, one of the people who I came across was Chuck Dobbs, and he used to go to church here. Some of y'all probably know him. So I'm working at Nissan. Chuck stops and he said, let me tell you my testimony. Out of nowhere, I'm not asking for this stuff. You know what I mean? I'm like walking around like, don't talk to me. This dude's like, let me tell you my testimony, Brad. I'm like, what are you talking about? 
He said, man, I'm going to tell you my testimony, man, how I gave my life to the Lord. And I'm like, oh, here we go. He goes through this whole list, all the things that God's done for him. Talking about, he said, I gave my life to the Lord on a city bus, told him, if you want this life, you can take it, and all this. And I was like, hold on, you can give your life to the Lord like that? Well, I could have done that a long time ago. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you had to come down front, have somebody pray with you, you know, all this stuff. I thought that's what you had to do. I wasn't, I just thought there was a certain specific formula that had to happen for my life to be okay. God just wanted me right where I was at. <laughs> he wanted me right there. So I'm at work. People keep leaving my daily breads all over the place. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like I'm finding everything. It's like God is chasing me down, y'all. I'm not kidding. It's like I wanted to get away so bad. Everybody who I would meet would be a Christian. Everybody would start telling me their testimony. Everything I would see everywhere around me had something to do with Jesus. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I just finally said, I, got, I have to deal with this. You know, let me... Let me finally put the nail in the coffin. Let me deal with it. Let me get it over with. And so I go, <laughs> you know, I'm reading the Bible at this point because the daily bread's gotten, there was, the little, there was like the little uh, bread crumbs that led me there, you know. I'm like, man, well, I got that much of the story. Well, what, ha what, what happens next? So I'm reading my Bible, and I see that, you know, Jesus is telling them, he said, well, look, when you go and pray, you know, go into your closet and pray. So I'm like, as soon as I read it, I'm like, okay, let me, I'm going in my closet. And I go right in my closet, you know, all the clothes in there and everything. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, God, this is, this is silly. What am I doing in this closet? I said, I don't even know who you are. I don't even know what you are. I don't know how you are. Like, who is Jesus anyway? You know, I want to believe. Help me believe. I, I want to see this thing. I, I don't know. I don't get it. I've tried to wrap my mind around this thing, and God stops me right there. And it's the first time he ever spoke to me, and I, that's how I knew. He said, listen to your heart and not your mind. Just that simple. I said, this whole time I'm trying to make sense of everything. This, I was looking for a formula. I was, trying, I was looking for laws and rules and a square box that I could put God in, but that wasn't the place I found him. I found him in my heart because that's where he was looking. So when I finally found him, and I'm coming to church, and I'm all excited, you know, and one of the first people I meet here is Kurt. And I come in and I tell Kurt and I say, and you know, Kevin's like, this guy looks like he does drugs. Let's send Kurt to talk to him. <clears throat> and that's okay. You know, it's okay. <laughs> so me and Kurt are talking and everything. And I'm like, Kurt, dude, you know, I love the Lord, man. I get it. You know, I'm like, read my Bible, you know, this whole worship thing could probably use some work. I don't really get that yet, but dude. Like, man, I'm still getting high. And I feel like I'm, like, getting closer to God when I get high. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I said, no, I'm serious. He was like, okay. He said, here's the problem. 
He said, the problem is you focusing more on getting high than you are on God. If you'll focus on God, you won't need to get high no more. Do I'm telling you, I didn't have no recovery. I didn't have no withdrawals of all the, you know, all the things that I was doing. And there was a lot of things. I didn't have to go through that process of, 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 well, God, break this addiction. You know, God, take this away from me. And the reason is, is because I was a new creation. The things that I wanted, I didn't want no more. Not because I, I was looking. They were my God. They were the emptiness that I kept putting in myself, looking for God. But when I found them, I didn't need to put nothing else in no more. So for all the people who, who are out here in the world and you know somebody that's going through it, it's because Jesus hasn't been fully revealed to them yet. He might be the next door neighbor. Yeah, I'm looking at my next door neighbor and I'm thinking, you know, yeah, I know this guy. I know his schedule. I know what he does. You know, I can even go read his mail if I wanted to commit a felony. But uh, the thing is, is that I don't really know him until he lives with me. He's just a neighbor to me. When somebody lives with you and they family and you know them like that, that's how Jesus has to be in you. He has to live with you. You have to know him that well that he's family to you, that what you're doing is going to hurt your family. That's the conviction that I had. You know, I was like, man, I, I can't do any of this stuff no more. I, you know, I love God too much. So around that time, you know, Chuck and, and, and he invited me to the church and Cheyenne had, Cheyenne was going to Creekmont at that time. So he invited me to Creekmont, but I never did go there. Thank, thank goodness I'm here, you know. <laughs> but then Cheyenne came here too. Uh, but Chad Dickey was the other person who invited me to church. I met him at work. And we're working, and he's like, man, you know, Brad, you, you, you really get this stuff. It looks like you get it. You know, I see you reading. I see you doing these things. But then I look at your life, and it doesn't really, you know, you get it here. But over here, it's like not really, you know, because I'm still, like, stealing stuff out of vending machines and, <laughs> you know, just doing all that type of stuff, you know, clocking in, clocking in early, leave, you know, leaving early and just doing all kind of crazy stuff that you're not supposed to be doing <laughs> when you're a Christian. And he's like, man, dude, I, I, you know, I, I see that you rap, you do all this stuff. And he's like, man, I want to you know, help turn this thing around for you. I want to help you do this. So we started a rap group. We started rapping. And you know, we picked up some other guy eventually. But <laughs> the point was, was that you know, God, <laughs> God had put a desire in my heart. You know, I, I knew rap. Like, I knew how it functioned. Like, I, I got it. You know, that's the way I could that's the way that God could speak to me through that. So there were things that I had to do that I had to write. I mean, I go back and look at some of my early stuff that I'm writing, and I'm like, this is just strictly, you know, God gave me that for me. It wasn't really for anybody else, whether they heard it, got blessed by it, or, or, or just threw it out the window when they got it. Either way, it was for me. You know, God had to reach me through that way. That's why I love this church, because, man, the fostering of, of your God-given gifts and abilities and talents through the arts are a way that God speaks to you and through you. And if we don't embrace that, if we don't capture that, then we lose who we are. We lose our identities, you know? I didn't get worship at first. I get it now because I love God. 
But when I first came in here and they singing like this and, and all I know is, you know, how my dad, you know, bah, 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 you know, that's all. Yeah, but that's my joint. You know, I like that. But, you know, that's something you that's that's God has to work on you with that. I remember telling I remember telling Cheyenne, Cheyenne's like, how you like worship? I was like, it's, you know, it's a bunch of people singing, yeah. But, dude, I'm standing back there, and, you know, every single song that they did tonight, it means something to me. Because God is so personal with me that I get it. I know how much he loves me. I know he makes beautiful things out of dust. He's the one that does it. We don't do it. We can't do it. When you see people that, that, are, that are doing music or that are doing arts, that are making these uh, portraits and these things that you see out here in these hallways and all this, this, they're glorifying God and what they're doing because it's all his. He created it. It's his creation. All we're doing is talking about it. All we're doing is telling you about it. At that point, man, I, came, I, I became so consumed with the Lord in my life uh, that me and my ex-wife, we started having problems because we didn't see eye to eye on a whole lot of things. And, you know, I, and it was crushing me because, you know, I was coming to church, I was doing Bible study at the house, all this type of stuff, and she just didn't get it, you know. She's like, can't we still get high? And she's not here for the conversation that I'm having with Kurt about, you know, hey, you need to focus on the Lord. And she's getting secondhand knowledge. But when you don't desire that, when that's not what you're after, it doesn't work the same for you. You know, the people who get the people who come up here for prayer on Sunday morning, I have the most respect for because they're trying to do something about it. They may not always have the answer. They may not get it. But they're not just sitting idly by while opportunities pass them up because they're not engaging, because they're not receiving what God, God has things for you in this house. Amen. God has things for you in this house. He does. The word that God gave me even for this message and for this season is increase. There's something that God wants to increase in you. And it has to do with your testimony. Your testimony's not over. Your testimony's not done. There's more to come. He's still working. He's still trying to show you things. Sometimes we get ahead of God. We want to figure it all out. We want to see how this makes sense. Well, how do these bills work out? Well, where are you going to go? Well, how are we going to get them there? It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter. Because when you get there, you'll realize he carried you there. When you get there, you'll realize, oh, God, now I know why you had to drag me up in Springhouse. It wasn't for me. It didn't have anything to do with me. I had no idea I was going to go to Africa. I had no idea I was going to, you know, the, the, first, the first thing that happened in that series of, of events where everything started, where I was just like, God, what are you doing in my life? My friend who had been arrested, who I went and found, they, they found him dead. He was shot in the back of the head. And his mom had called me, and I'm the one who had to tell his mom everything that happened. <laughs> and she said, Brad, can you, can, you, can you speak at the funeral? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, dude. Speak at the funeral? 
a funeral full of all the people who I did wrong with, and they see me standing at a podium telling them about something, what am I going to say? And I don't know what I said that day exactly, <laughs> but there was a lot of backlash from it. There was a lot of people who said, man, this is real. I, 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 I've heard and, I, and people told me that you had changed your life. I believe it now because your actions show it. Uh, one of my friends who, who's now a, a youth pastor at uh, Stones River Baptist, he was at the funeral. We were talking about this a few weeks ago. And he said, man, he said, I, he said, when I came to that funeral and I heard you speak and I heard you say the things that you said, because the thing is, is we can't, especially in that kind of situation, it's like the family wants comfort, but I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I'm not going to tell you this man was something that he was not, because that's not what I'm there for. But what I told him was, I want to carry away all the good things that he, that he had, the good things that he did. I want to remember those things, and I, and, and I do care about those things. But the truth is, is that when everybody leaves this earth, you will be accountable for the things that you've done. And you go to the Lord for judgment, not to any man. There's no man that can, that can judge you. And so I can't say for sure. It's not my place to do that. But I can tell you this, his spirit will return to God who created him, and God will know what to do. I had more people ask me questions, text me, call me. I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. And the thing was, was that I didn't do anything special. All I did was tell them what I had read in this Bible. I wasn't a minister, I wasn't a preacher, I wasn't a Bible study student. I was just a believer. <laughs> I just read it and I believed it and I told other people about it. That's all I did. Around that time, it's probably a month later that my wife left me. After I'm seeing all this fruit in my life, after I'm seeing all these things happen, and, and, and I definitely don't want to paint her as a, a bad picture because it's, it's not true. People make mistakes. They just make mistakes, and I don't want to put all the blame on her or paint her in a bad light. So, you know, I, I obviously had some things to do. Two people. Take two people. So, but I really like uh, what Pastor Ronnie had said to me, and he, he had told me this, this is he wasn't even really involved in my life at this time, but he probably knew who I was, but not like that. But later on, I heard him say something, and he said, hey, there's, there's, there's people who, who get a divorce, and then there's people who have to get a divorce. And there is a difference, you know, especially when you enter into a marriage and you're, and you're both believers and it's in the sight of God. That's something totally different. Just like I said, you're going to deal with non-believers differently than you deal with believers. Well, I did everything I could according to this word, according to what Paul said, how you're supposed to deal with that, and I did it. That's exactly what I did. I didn't ask nobody's advice. I went straight to the Bible, and I saw what it said, and that's what I did. I didn't care what anybody else had to say to me or what their advice was or what their plan was. 
It was all about what God's plan was. Because I said, God, I want to operate in integrity with this. I want to operate under your hand with your guidance in this because I, I didn't ask to be in this situation. About that time, the Lord links me up with uh, Wade Hutchison. And Wade knows my situation, and he says, you know, hey, man, let's, 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 go, out to, uh, let's go out to breakfast one morning. Um, you know, I just want to take you out for breakfast and, and whatever. You know, we'll talk. So we go out for breakfast, and it, it was at IHOP. And uh, I don't think we ever even went in to eat, actually. I think, <laughs> I think we just talked in the parking lot for about two hours. And we pulled, up to the, we pulled up to the restaurant, and we're sitting in the truck, and he says, you know, hey, you know, I want to tell you a little bit about my life. I want to tell you a little bit about my story. And he's telling me all these heartbreaking things, and, and, you know, and it's very similar to my situation. And he's telling me, and I'm like, man, that's just like me. And, and he tells me again, and I'm like, it's just like me. And he tells me something else, I'm like, man, it's just like me. And at, and at that point, we're both crying. We're both in tears. And he said, man, he said, I didn't realize it until now, but, you know, what if God had me walk through all of that just so I could tell you here today that you're going to be okay? Dude, that meant the world to me, <laughs> you know? My world was crushed. My world, was, I'm like, God, you know, how could you do this to me? I, I, I drove down to the boat ramp. Pulled out my Bible, you know, it's like, and I threw it in the air as hard as I could, and it landed, you know, somewhere in a shrub. I'm like, God, why, you know? But the important thing is, is I went back and I picked it up. Here it is right here. It's proof. I went back and I picked it up. A lot of people get mad at God, and they'll throw that Bible, and they'll leave it thrown wherever it landed. God can handle your anger. He can handle your, whatever it is that you got to say. God just wants you to be real with him. You know, God even, he, that's, that was the second word that he spoke to me was, he said, I'll be real with you if you'll just be real with me. I said, God, I want the realness. I want everything that you have for me. Speak to me like you spoke to the prophets. Speak to me like they heard you. I want to hear your voice like that. And he said, I can't talk to you like that when you're trying to hide stuff from me. I can't talk to you like that when you got sin in your life that, that blocks me from being able to do that with you. I had to get myself right. There was a lot of things that I had to do, and I spent a lot of time working on my life, working on my walk, working on my prayer life, working on my Bible study. That's how Overflow Ministries got started. It was a Bible study. We're just sitting in the living room talking about, man, what, what are you facing? What are you dealing with in your life? Well, here's what my life looks like. All the garbage, it's all out there. I'll lay it all out for you. And we didn't have no, we didn't have a Bible, we didn't have a study guide. This all we had was these Bibles. And we flipped to the back, went to concordances, we looked up words that we knew, that, or places where we thought we could find the answer, and we found the answers. And we helped each other out, and when one person fell down, the other people came and we prayed for them, and we picked them back up, and we said, we're going to be okay. 
But I had no idea the things that God was going to do in my life, the restoration that he would put into my life. And it started when we went to Zimbabwe with uh, me and Jesse had went. This is, this is, our, this is how he got there. We went to Zimbabwe with uh, Pastor Bruce and Pastor Wayne. And um, one of the testimonies that, that came from that was that before we left, you know, Pastor Wayne is like, hey, look, if you haven't received the Holy Spirit yet, if you, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Ghost, you know, we're going to pray. We're going to do all these things. And, and we did all those things. And I was like, do I have it yet? You know, do I have it yet? Did, did it come yet? Like, I'm like... It was like standing on my front porch waiting for the mailman to come. You know what I mean? <laughs> Out there checking the mailbox every 15 minutes. Nah, he ain't came yet. So we're praying, we're praying. We're all yoked up, man. It was a great trip. Um, and we're at this little, we're at this little village. <laughs> we're at this little hut. <laughs> this little hut of a church. And um, Pastor Wayne says, hey, you know, would any of you guys like the American team to pray for you? And he told us before, and he said, if anybody comes up for prayer, y'all just come up and pray with them. And he said, does anybody want to come for prayer? Well, the whole church comes up. <laughs> and he's like, okay, that means everybody. <laughs> That's everybody. Let's go. So we go in, and, and, and everybody's praying, and I, you know, I don't know what anybody is saying, and and I'm just praying, and I, I don't know what to say, God. You know, I don't know what to do. Do they understand me? I don't know, but I don't understand them. So we are praying. All of a sudden, my mouth just start moving. Stuff start coming out. I don't even know, you know. But I was in denial. <laughs> I come back home, and I'm like, I think something happened. Like, that was weird. Like, was that me or was that God? Like, is God trying to do something in me? Because I don't know. Because I'm, I, you know, I don't want to be the person who just go out there and start doing stuff. But then I don't want to be the person who don't do anything. So what, you know, God, where am I at? What, what, what do I do? And so it goes dormant for a while. And nothing happens because I doubt it. You know, God do that sometimes because he wants your full, undivided attention. And he also wants to get the glory for the, for the gifts that he's given you. So it's a few, you know, it's a few, uh, few months later before I finally realize, you know, while I'm, in, while I'm in my prayer closet again, that God did give me something, you know. He did give me something. He did give me a gift. And um, <laughs> the hardest part about receiving those gifts like that are you end up in places like this. It was in Zimbabwe that I did, that I did my first thing, and Pastor Bruce was, <laughs> it was like 8.30 at night. <laughs> We're like getting back to the place where everybody's about to go to sleep. He's like, Brad, can you share in the morning? And I was like, it's, it's 8.30. I need like two weeks to do that. You know, I need like, there's no way that's going to happen. And he's like, yeah, you got it. Tomorrow morning. Cool. So I'm like, I'm up all night trying to write something, trying to figure things out. And the whole thing was, man, of all the things that have happened, and, you know, y'all saw my wife up here earlier. Dude, God just, he, he redeems you, man. He restores you, you know. He, 
He knew what was right for me when I didn't know what was right for me, you know? He, he had plans for me that I couldn't even fathom. He had things in mind for, for kingdom building that he said, if you just submit to me, then I can make things happen in your life. You got to yield yourself first, though. I got to yield my spirit to his spirit. You know, when John said, but well, he must increase, I must decrease, that's the same for all of us. We must decrease so that he can increase. The only Jesus that people see in you is Jesus himself. It's not you being good. They see Christ in you. That's how they know it's real. That's how they know there's testimonies. That's, that's why we have a testimony, is that we can point people back to Jesus. It's not about us. It ain't about what we did or how great we are or, or any of the things that happened to us. It's about him. So if the testimony ever gives credit to you, if, it, if it's glorifying to you, if it makes, draws people's attention to you, God don't get no glory in that. He can't keep using you. He's not going to be able to do the increase in your life. You have to decrease for that to happen. That's one of the hardest things to understand as a Christian. How, how do we decrease? I don't want to take, I don't want, I always pray this. I, this is my prayer. Lord, give me what's mine. I don't want too much, and I don't want not enough. I just want what you have for me. Because there's a lot of people that, God, give me this. God, give me that. God, I need this. They did the little skit, gimme, 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 gimme. And that's all people pray, but man, I don't want it all. I just want what's mine, God. I want what you have for me because your plans are better than my plans. Uh, can I get the worship team, please? And um, yeah, whoever's left. You know, last, last year... Last year, I lost my job, and I found my wife. <laughs> yeah, right? It was crazy. You know, God takes things away from you that are a distraction. He puts things back in, back in the focus, the things that you need to see. We always think it's that, that we're losing out on something, you know? We think when we lose, that when God takes something away from us, well, now we, that's what I needed. That's what I wanted. But God has something better for you. God has something different for you. God has something that is meant for you. But are you willing to accept what he has for you? He has an increase for you. He has an increase tonight. But whoever wants to receive it. God showed me a few weeks ago that this, this little corner of Smyrna <laughs> is going to increase. It doesn't mean this church is going to blow up. It doesn't mean the, uh, it's going to have, we're going to add another story on or, or buy the CVS and tear it down and, and make the church bigger. That's not what it means. What it means is that this corner of Smyrna having an increase, it has to do with you. It has to do with what you carry out of this place. Because God can do an increase in other people's lives just because of who you are and what you do. When you come in here, are you coming in here to... to be encouraged and be established on the word and, and, and build your foundation with Christ so that you can go out and do that for other people? Or is it all about you? Why do we take the time out on a Wednesday night to come into this room? It's not because you want me to make you feel good because I can't. It's not because you want to hear about my testimony because it's not even that great. What's great is what God's going to do in your life in the future. What's great is the people that are going to come to Christ because of who you are and what you do and because you choose to follow him. People are watching you every day. Old, young, 
small, big, people that have good jobs, people that got bad jobs, people that are just doing services for you that happen to be at your house. I'm one of those people. I know what it's like. People that I encounter every single day, I'm not in their lives for, by accident. It's not a happenstance. It's not a coincidence. When they have prayer needs, I'm there for them. When, when, when something goes wrong, they need people to pray for them. There's people in your life right now, and, and, you know, and God just told me that this is the increase that he's, that he's waiting for, the increase that, that he's waiting to pour out on you. You have to be ready to receive it. Are you ready to receive the increase tonight? Are you ready to decrease yourself so he can increase in you? Because you have to make, this is a mind state thing. You have to do this when you, when you get ready to leave here, because we can go get in our car, turn 94.1 back on, uh, get the kids in bed, start tomorrow anew, and it'd be the same thing that it was today because we didn't choose to decrease so he can increase in our lives so that other people's lives can change. My challenge to you is that you will decrease yourself so that he can increase in you, so that he can shine through you, so that he can do big things in you. Somebody's waiting. Somebody's watching. And the decision is yours. We're going to worship for a minute and then see what God's got for us.
Father. <laughs> Father, I just pray that you do an increase. Father, that you do an increase in the testimonies in this room, Father. That you do an increase not only uh, in the financial things, in the material things, but, Father, in the spiritual things, Father. For those who have been waiting on salvations to come, Father God, I pray you do an increase in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for these people. I pray you bless them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.